Welcome to Just the Taste. I'm Scott Curry with Chef's Best. We gather to talk about the trends in marketing, retail, and production in food and beverage that are shaping the industry. Joining us today is esteemed sport nutritionist and author Nancy Clark. As a registered dietitian and board-certified specialist, Nancy is an internationally respected sports nutritionist, weight coach, nutrition author, and education leader. One time a team nutritionist for the Boston Red Sox, her clientele has included many college and professional athletes, including members of the Boston Celtics and Boston Bruins. A frequent contributor and author, her contributions include Active.com, New England Runner, Shape Magazine, and best-selling books, including the seminal Nancy Clark's Sports Nutrition Guidebook, which has sold over 500,000 copies. Nancy, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's an honor. Well, Nancy, it would be remiss for us to not take a quick moment to just be amazed at how well the Red Sox season is going this year. So any contribution <laughs> you have had to that, I, I thank you as a fan. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, Nancy, uh, I know one one topic that uh, you know you consider important, and I think touches uh, you know across consumers and athletes is the concept of clean eating. I think the 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 words "cleaning" itself are often uh, I think misinterpreted and, and misconstrued. So. Uh, before we dive a little bit deeper into it, if you could share for for uh, me and for our listeners, what do, what is it that you consider clean eating to be? Well, I think it's what my clients, people consider clean eating to be. They, you know, for them, it's like it's no red meat, it's no sugar, it's no white flour, <clears throat> it's no salt, you know, it's no desserts, it's no birthday cake, it's, it's um, just you know, unprocessed foods, closer to the earth, you know, preferably locally grown, and um, just trying to have a perfect diet. Um, and they they tend to category, categorize food as good or bad, um, and themselves as good or bad. You know, oh, I had a cookie, I was so bad. And, you know, those bad cookies are actually quite delicious and how can you balance them in so I, I spend a lot of time with my clients who are trying to be very healthy and, and that's 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 fine but to remind them that there's not a good food and a bad food or a clean food or a dirty food but there's a balanced diet and an unbalanced diet and when many people go out to restaurants you know they they sort of get flummoxed it's like oh there's all this like bad food and um you know how do they manage that and it's important just to know that you know one meal doesn't ruin your life forever if you end up mm-hmm. having the you know burgers and fries <laughs> so clean eating can be uh kind of the no fun diet a little bit so so how i guess one question is how did we get to this point uh i i would imagine that the perhaps I'm going to say maybe two decades or one de- no, no, one decade or a little bit more shift towards extreme diets, I think is the term that I'm going to use, um, mm-hmm. where, you know, there's these absolute rules, I think contributes to it. It perhaps started with the Atkins diet, and which I'm going to peg it probably 20 years ago. Um, is that one of the contributors? Uh, is it just is it the internet to blame because there's just so much information out there that I could pretty much you know validate any concern I have I could say you know should I never eat mushrooms and I'm sure that 
I, I could find that. And I did not mean to, to sound, <laughs> yeah, yeah. did not, that, that could have been misconstrued in a few different ways. Uh, but I could say, yeah. you know, should I not eat blueberries? And I'm sure I could find a blog that says never eat a blueberry, right? So oh, I'm, uh, I'm sure I guess, yeah. so let's ask this, how did we get here? And how do we get uh, to perhaps a more sane level of eating where uh, you don't experience things like I feel, which is guilt, right? I feel guilty. Yeah. Um, yeah. When yeah. I don't buy organic or I uh, eat too much sugar. Uh, I feel guilty. And I don't know if that's a good evolutionary mechanism or not, but um, how did we get here and, and how do we get to a more sane environment? I think we got there a lot through the internet because there's, like you say, there's so much information. There's too much information. And a lot of these fitness bloggers, um, you know, they've sort of gotten on this bandwagon of they've gotten into shape and they exercise and they eat clean and they have this wonderful success, you know, at, at the moment. And and they just spread their success and, and they cheerlead other people to, you know, knock off the sugar and, you know, knock off the fat food and knock off the processed stuff and, you know, make your kale smoothie and, and, eat all your quinoa and and um so there's a lot of information on the internet from from people who have had success by changing their diet and their lifestyle and they've created a healthy eating pattern but what they've created is an atmosphere of good foods and bad foods and you know and they're they're lacking the professional perspective of the balanced diet and the unbalanced diet. Um, so the media certainly has played into it. Um, and that, that's kind of where I'd, I think where I'd put the blame. Mm -hmm. And, and you, you obviously advise, uh, you know, some of, you know, I, any professional athlete at this point, I consider to be some of the world's best athletes. Um, do you advise them, differently than you would, than you do other clientele or consumers? Do you, um, you know, I'm sure a professional athlete is burning more calories. So we know that that's going to factor in, but when it comes to clean eating, um, do you kind of have two rules a little bit? Uh, you know, if, if I'm, uh, you know, if I have a, a BMI that, that needs to come down and I'm just your, you know, typical <laughs> suburban person working way through life, um, do you, do you prescribe, uh, cleaner, uh, you know, approaches be, because knowing that an athlete does need to be at such an optimal level, uh, that it may make sense to be a little bit more, um, trying to avoid the word extreme, a little bit more, um, regulated or diligent. Well, you, you don't have to eat a perfect diet to have an excellent diet. So I look mm. for a diet whether it's an elite athlete or an ordinary mortal, you know, that's 85 to 90% quality foods, you know, 10 to 15%, whatever, you know, some days, whatever is apple and some days, whatever is apple pie, probably with ice cream, but they, they neither should have, you know, an electric charge, you know, like, Oh, I had like apple pie, <laughs> you know, um, it's just apple pie. And, and if you go by the, you know, say, you know, 10 to 15%, whatever, 
like I say, that that's room for some fun foods. And there's nothing wrong with having some fun with, with food. It, it's just the balance of it all. Um, you know, the guidelines are that 10% of calories can come from sugar. So if you're an athlete burning off 4,000 calories a day, if you had 400 calories of sugar, I wouldn't even blink an eye. Mm. I mean, in within, you know, 12 to 1500 calories of, you know, a balance of good, clean food, you can get all the vitamins and minerals and protein that you need. So if you're an athlete who's burning 4,000 calories a day, I mean, you could, you could have half your diet could be junk food and, you know, you wouldn't have nutritional deficiencies. Would you be optimizing your health? Probably not. Um, so everybody needs to be healthy and health conscious um, so that for athletes, I mean, if say with, with the, these baseball players, I mean, they have an incredibly long season and, and their job is to stay healthy that whole season. And, and so that's where the day-to-day diet does make a difference. But even in that case, if, if you have, you know, a chocolate chip cookie, it doesn't negate, you know, all the broccoli that you also ate. Um, so it, it's, the, the job is to um, educate people to look at, you know, a healthy eating pattern, not good food, bad food, not individual nutrients, you know, salt, sugar white flour, but <clears throat> to look at the whole picture. And, um, you know, that's, that's where our current emphasis really needs to be. Mm. Do, do you ever find that it's a challenge? Because, um, you know, you talk about habits and patterns and we're, we're, you know, creatures of habit is a common saying for a reason, right? Um, I know I, I do most of the shopping for our family and I would say I buy 90% the same thing each week. Um, you just, you get into the pattern, you get into the habit. Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately, I think our habits are, are generally okay. Um, mm-hmm. do, do you find it a challenge to uh, encourage, you know, to get people to break their shopping habits, which is, you know, by default also their eating habit, but, um, and, and how do you, kind of encourage them to approach the grocery store aisles differently when it's time to, uh, you know, break some habits or change them? Is it perhaps making lists? What are kind of some of the strategies that, that, that you recommend as you're trying to develop? Let's not say, let's not even put it as getting rid of old habits, but develop new habits. What are some of the strategies and guides that you, that you give your clients? Well, assuming that the habits that you're talking about are, you know, eating healthfully, um, what I really focus in on is the physiology of hunger. And when people get too hungry and active people can get very hungry, they don't care. I mean, there's a very strong drive to eat and in, in that when you get too hungry, you know, well, I'll speak for myself when I get too hungry, I mean, do I want an apple? It's like, no way. You know, I want apple pie. (laughs) Do I want carrots? It's like, no, thank you. I want carrot cake with that yummy frosting. So getting too hungry can drive a a very strong, compelling desire to eat, you know, concentrated calories, sugar and fat. And, And so is the problem sugar and fat or is the problem getting too hungry? Mm. And and so I really look at having people front load their calories and eat, really focusing on breakfast, lunch, 
and a second lunch in the afternoon. Change that word snack to second lunch, and you're eating, you know, English muffin with peanut butter instead of, you know, Reese's peanut butter cups. Um, <clears throat> so you, once you prevent yourself from getting too hungry, then when you go into a grocery store or into a restaurant, you can make sane choices. But I, I mean, I clearly remember the day when I went food shopping and I was hungry. I was with my teenage son who was hungry. I mean, we bought food that's never been in this house before. We bought <laughs> a lot of it. <laughs> it was like, I'm not going to do that again. Um, <laughs> so so I, I think the the atmosphere that we live in in the States is if you are not pencil thin, you are supposed to be on a diet. Mm. And diets, you know, theoretically start at breakfast and you diet at breakfast and have a cup of coffee, you diet at lunch and have a salad. And then come afternoon, you know, you're starving, eating the wrong thing, um, have no energy to cook, go out to a restaurant and succumb to, you know, whatever, whatever, that might not be the um, healthiest thing on the menu. Mm. So it, it's it's really easier to set up new habits if you're not too hungry. So I see eating as a timeline with a food bucket every four hours. So like on my schedule, generally I have breakfast around seven and lunch around 11. If you have lunch at 11, what do you do in the afternoon until dinner? You have a second lunch at three <laughs> and then dinner at six or seven. If it's an all-nighter, first, second dinner at 11, first breakfast at 3. I mean, just so that there's this structure of, of evenly spaced meals. And, um, and when I, you know, work this way with my clients, um, they get it, that it, it clicks. It's not hard to eat well when, you're, when you eat enough during the day. Um, but in our lifestyle, people sort of save up because they're going out to eat. Um, or they don't, you know, make plans for food shopping until like there's nothing in the refrigerator and I'm starving. Um, so it's, it's making food a priority instead of something that's optional. And, and I think in the American lifestyle, we really need to make food a priority, preventing hunger a priority and making sleep a priority. Um, cause sleep and poor food choices go hand in hand, lack of sleep and, you know, the research shows that when you give a sleep-deprived person, you know, another hour and a half of sleep at night, their their cravings for so-called junk food drop by like 14%. <laughs> you know, wow. no, 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 their calories drop by 14 Their yeah. cravings for junk food drop by two-thirds. So it, it's, I mean, it's really powerful. I mean, that, that's how I know when I'm tired, when I'm like, Where, where's some brownies, you know, where's some chocolate chip cookies? It's like, I think you just need sleep, Nancy. <laughs> and, and is that because of the connection between emotional regulation and, and food and, and that when you're tired, you're just, it's more challenging to, what, what, I guess, what's the trigger there? Um, I, I, well, I, 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 I empathize I, with it. I think I understand yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what is the actual trigger there? Well, I, I think in terms of, if you think of it in terms of evolution, I mean, if people are tired, that means they've been, have more active hours in their day and they mm. probably need more fuel. So it would be a survival mechanism to to want more I, I i don't i don't know the exact physiology but i just know that it it it's <clears throat> something to be aware of yeah yeah I, I think. um you really want to focus in if you want to you know clean up your eating 
you want to first make sleep a priority. Second, make, you know, plan in time to food shop. And third, prevent yourself from getting too hungry. Um, Want to tackle a, a, a big topic? I know it's one that uh, you're you're plenty aware of, and it's you know the OBC epidemic in, in the United States, where uh, you know one third of Americans are overweight, and, and two thirds are considered to be obese. Um, it's a big, big challenge, a big topic. I think we could do multiple podcasts just covering it. Uh, but from your perspective, in your you know decades of experience working uh, across the population, uh, what, what do you see uh, as specific, uh, specific things that the food and beverage industry could do to help? And uh, I know this is a tough question because it's related to a, a, a sedentary population. It's related to uh, all sorts of things that, you know, some of our easiest and cheapest and fastest at least healthy for us. But um, if you were to carry a message to the food and beverage industry, um, what directions would you like to see uh, see things move a little bit uh, to, to perhaps, you know, get a little bit more control on on this epidemic that's that's costing uh, our country in myriad ways, everything from from early deaths to, to you know, healthcare and finance? Yeah, well, you, you always want to have options. And focus more on, um, you know, less fried, greasy, fatty foods that are just loaded with calories. Um, maybe not have the largest portions around. Um, I mean, it, it, it's tough because the food and beverage industry is an, average, is an industry. They're looking to make money to, to sell food. Mm-hmm. And um, they'll go with whatever sells. But yet, you know, the amount of money that is spent on food eaten away from home is, you know, is dramatically increasing. Um, and fewer and fewer people are eating at home. So it's up to the food and beverage industry to offer, you know, healthier options so that there are food cups that are available, um, that there are berries available for dessert that you can, you know, grab and go with, you know, apples and cheese, or you have your, you know, like your your offer oatmeal and not just pancakes. Um, mm. So a lot of it's the offerings, and to know that healthy food it it can take it can and should taste yummy. Right. So it's it's not a burden to eat well, but you know locally grown, less processed, you know less plastic. You know, we and I, I think the food and beverage industry has a big responsibility in terms of sustainability, and not just get rid of the straws. You know, <laughs> and I mean, it, it's we got to take care of our health and the health of the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, to offer more dishes with, you know, beans and lentils, and you know, ethnic cooking, and um, it, it's. I mean, I I, I think. You look at the places that are really popular that have grown, you know, that have been successful, you know, Panera, Sweet Greens, and they, they all offer quality food and it's, mm. you know, yummy. It boils down to, I guess, education and, and people deciding to make those those correct decisions. Yeah, and they, they'll make the correct choice if they aren't too hungry 
and if they're not too tired. Um, and if they have education about weight, I mean, you, you, the only time to lose weight is at nighttime when you're sleeping. So you need to fuel by day, ruin your appetite, eat lighter at night, and then lose weight when you're sleeping. And that's just the opposite of what m- most people do. And hence, weight keeps getting higher and higher because people, you know, diet by day, blow it by night, get up the next day, mm-hmm. diet by day, blow it by night. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm I'm working at educating people, and um, it's 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 all it's a process. And you are. So let's talk about how folks can uh, can find you, follow you, and, and get some information from you. So uh, I understand on Facebook they can find you at Nancy Clark RD, uh, and uh, on Twitter they can find you at N Clark RD as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I have also- a a blog. If you if they go to my website, uh, which is Nancy Clark RD dot com, N A N C Y C L A R K rd.com with rd being registered dietitian um you know they can connect to my blog and that really you know hits the current controversies that are going on mm-hmm. i have a sports nutrition guidebook that has been very popular and really addresses um you know the topics that active healthy people want to know about mm-hmm. you know like you know how much sugar is okay to eat? You know, what's the best thing to eat before I exercise? You know, um, you know, are potatoes really bad for you? You know, so it's, it's sort of like a, a a guidebook on how to eat to have good energy. Mm-hmm. Well, I encourage people to follow your, your pro, uh, quite a prolific creative content. And I know that uh, there's a, a number of individuals in the health, uh, you know, health professionals and in, in, in around the fitness industry that, that uh, look to you for guidance. So I encourage people to follow you there. Um, well, thank you very much for joining us today, Nancy. And uh, oh, best of luck in, in uh, continuing to, uh, you know, both make an impact at a, a kind of a macro level uh, with with your education that you put out there, but uh, also on individual levels as well. As I know, you're you're very dedicated to uh, the the folks that you counsel, regardless of where they are and kind of the. Um, sports and fitness spectrum. So, uh, yes, everybody likes to win with good nutrition. That's for certain. There you go. All right. Well, thank you very much and, uh, and best of luck as you head down those paths. Thank you for joining us on Just a Taste, a Chef's Best Production. Join us again next time as we talk to more experts in marketing, retail, and production in the food and beverage industry. You can always visit us at chefsbest.com to learn more.